Hello and welcome to episode six of the They Think It's All Over podcast. We started this way back at the end of the first week of lockdown and time seems to have absolutely flown by. This week, we spoke about whether rushing back into the Premier League season is such a good idea and how the footballing authorities are planning to do it. Of course, the Bundesliga looks almost set up to be up and running, but will the Premier League catch up? We've also got some new interesting features, a quick debate on one of our guests' unpopular opinions, and a game of pick one, bench one, sell one is coming later on. You're listening to They Think It's All Corona. They think it's all over. It is On the show today, we've got the usual lineup of the five lot boys. Uh, David Morgan's here. All right, mate. As well as Scott Hyron. Hello. And Matthew Dawes. You're right, lad. How's things? Yeah, good boys. Good to have you all on the show again. We've got a good uh, tent structure going up here this week. A little bit better than last week. We're improving week by week. Maximise that sound quality for all the listeners at home. Um, want to start off today with some of the coronavirus-related football news we've seen over the last few days. Probably one of the biggest things is that UEFA has said that they need to get the Champions League uh, done in August and therefore the, all the domestic leagues need to be competed by the end of July. So that leaves the Premier League with a sort of uh, uh, start of June to mid-June start date. Uh, I don't know what you boys think about that right now. One week ago, we, we chatted about it a bit, but is it looking any more likely now? Um, I think things are looking a bit more positive. You know, the numbers are dropping, uh, testing capacities improved, which obviously are all things that people want to see in terms of getting the football back on TV because it means we've got the capacity to test all the players easily and the risk is reduced of restarting the season. The only danger is, is that still too soon? We'll have to see in the coming weeks. Will the government start to reduce lockdown? We just don't know, really. Yeah, I think I think the big one is waiting for Sunday with uh, Boris's big announcement. Um, there's rumours that the Premier League will get together basically the Monday after Boris's announcement and see what's see what's happening really but if Boris is suddenly going to start relaxing things I think there's a very good chance that we'll get Premier League football back on our screens very soon it's hard to know what's going to happen I mean there's all sorts of different rumours about what's going to happen at different times uh, whether you're going to have be able to pick a bubble of people you're going to be able to see or um, all that type of thing so it's hard to appreciate what's going to happen and plan for the future when there's just so many different rumours going around uh, but obviously be positive to see football get back underway um, obviously the safety of all the players and um, I suppose everyone involved is the utmost priority but I suppose at the end of the day if things are cooling down with cases then um, if it's done safely then why not continue I mean that's what we have seen in Germany mm. I think the Bundesliga clubs are going back into full training in the next couple of weeks so obviously Germany's sort of testing programme has been a, quite a bit ahead of the UK's and they've been able to do that and get tests out to professional players as soon as possible. Hopefully we can see a similar thing uh, in the Premier League soon. But some of the, the measures they've been discussing have been quite interesting. Obviously, a lot of players won't be back to full fitness. So something uh, that came out today actually was that there's a potential that matches may not be 45 minutes a half. It could, could be less than that to try and keep players fit. That's ridiculous. Um, just brings the game into disrepute for me. Um, I mean, what it's basically changing changing the rules. It's like saying we'll play the rest of the season without offsides. It's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, I can see why they'd want to do it, but if they're going to start changing rules like that, then they might as well just cancel the season, really. If you're going to say, oh, yeah, we'll play 20-minute halves now, that's ridiculous. It's not under eight football. Like, come on, this is a <laughs> Premier League, you know? Well, I mean, that, that was my opinion with the, say, the no-contact rule at, like, say, corners and things like that. And again, this is another um, very big... Uh, part of the game being 45 minutes like even pre-season they mm. play games for 45 minutes a half and that's why say for example we discussed the the five substitution rule mm -hmm. that's why that would be useful so you could give those players that are maybe struggling a little bit more um, you can give them substitute minutes and like vice versa those that are on the pitch as well maybe struggling a little bit uh, you can get them off the pitch soon though if you've got more men to take off so you can't you can't reduce the time of the game. I think that's just a bit of a joke. Yeah, I think as well that normally with the with the FA's plan for the season, they're talking about having two games a week, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. 
with that, most most teams will play two games a week, are quite comfortable playing two games mm-hmm. a week. You know, if you've got European football, you'll play two games a week. And the only question really is how well have players kept up their fitness mm-hmm. during this gap? And that that's probably the only barrier to them playing two games a week and maintaining the same level of performance. Yeah. But the extra subs will more than allow mm-hmm. managers to rotate out those players that really haven't kept on top of their fitness. I think... Go on, Harry. I was going to say, I think the only thing that has to be considered as well is it's only going to take one player or one manager or one staff in a club again. Mm. If we, if this all starts over again, then all of a sudden one player gets symptoms of coronavirus or gets coronavirus, then surely it, we're back to square one. I mean, yeah, it's... it's I, yeah. I, think it's, it's, I think it's still... It's, it's risky and thinking about risky. it that way... It's it's so easy for it to just stop again. So there's a, there's a lot of. Um... I mean, that's why you see the, it's the Premier League that we're talking about that could get back within the next few weeks. But the lower leagues, even from the Championship down, have told players that there's highly unlikely that the season's going to start back up at all. So perhaps that's maybe more of the the stance that Premier League should be taking. That it's it's at the moment it's all very oh we, we're going to do it mm. it's going to happen we just wait it's just a matter of time. But the other leagues seem to be much more cautious about it. Maybe that's a better approach. What do you think? I think um, ultimately they, what they should can really consider is um, locking down all of the players in in this sort of World Cup camp almost, and then the only con- and then it sort of becomes a locked bubble in essence, where everyone inside that bubble has been tested, and then they can't leave that for the, the sort of seven weeks it, it's supposed to take to finish the season. You know, they can bring their families in there as well. <laughs> I, obviously, it's a big ask, but it's the only way to really guarantee as Scott said, that you don't have one case come into the league and then, you know, if one player has it, then both teams will have it by the end of the match. So, Do the players want to do it as well? The, the questions as well. I'd say most most probably would. You'd probably get a few that would um, probably not want to and um, for, for various reasons. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to see how it's all going to play out. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously the logical solution. Um, but... Yeah, it's hard to say if all the players are going to agree to it. Some might not. And who's to say they don't have to do it, you know? I mentioned there the, obviously, the championship and, and downwards are looking at suspending the season indefinitely, possibly just voiding all the results. What would that mean as far as promotion and relegation is concerned? Obviously, Leeds and West Brom looking likely to come up from the championship into the Premier League, or although by Leeds standards, who knows what they'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we obviously saw in the Premier League's meeting on Friday that the sort of bottom six clubs in the Premier League were trying to sort of work their way to end the season in the Premier League so they'd avoid relegation. So what do you think of the sort of legal challenges could be if the season's avoided and promotion and relegations don't happen? Is it going to throw up spanners in the works for next season? Yeah, it definitely will. Um, it's, it'll be interesting whether they do what France have done with Ligue 1 and just give the final standings, give... Leeds and West won the promotion. I mean, I assume they'd give third place in the championship promotion. I don't know how they'd do that with the playoffs. That's obviously something to consider. But I mean, the teams in the relegation zone would go down as things currently stand as well. But then obviously, as you mentioned, teams could won't be very happy. With that. Obviously, Leeds and West won't be ideal, but I don't know how they'd sort out the playoff situation, whether they try and get it together and get those four clubs. There's only four clubs. There's not that that many, you know, so they can sort of get those groups together at like a say like a World Club style camp maybe but yeah it'd be interesting to see um, they could do it in the uh, Champions League time period that's they true. could do the playoff pr- uh, they've got a bit longer to do playoffs yeah, yeah. yeah they've got mm. a bit longer to do that because re- there won't be any players there involved in the Champions League or Europa League ties so they could make use of that window to get it done mm. I'm guessing obviously the teams that are sort of in and around the playoffs are quite close as it usually is with the championships so I mean yeah, I think there's, well, I mean, Swans, I know, for example, we're four or five places below the playoffs, mm. but only four points off yeah, it. So. So, I, mean, I mean, those sort of teams in around it won't be very happy, but... What can you do about exactly, it? Exactly, really? I mean... That's, you've got to draw the line somewhere, haven't you? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, the French League, as I mentioned, have just voided it and given PSG the, the, the title, but the two teams that are in, that went through the Champions League are only a point ahead of the teams below. So, I mean, those teams are delighted, whereas the teams below that suck in the Europa League missing out on that vital income from the Champions League that may generate 
but they've just been told to take on the chin and tough. So yeah. I think that's what we'd have to do in the championship. I think the relegation is the is the harder teams for teams to swallow, though. Uh, like some of the Premier League teams, for example, I don't think they'll take lightly to having an automatic relegation. Um, same for those even in the championship that might be fi- uh, fighting relegation as well. In my opinion, I think the best way of doing it would just to be to promote any teams that would automatically be promoted mm-hmm. uh, and just have larger, um, I suppose, larger uh, tables or um, the teams in the leagues for the following season and well, then yeah, just relegate the, more the, the following leagues. It would only be the Premier League which has a larger league really because everyone, everyone else mm. would come up you know so the bottom the very bottom league would end up with less and the top yeah. league would end up with two or three more yeah I suppose so and then I, and then I, I remember I think one of you guys shared something um, about the extra TV revenue for example if you've got mm. an extra two teams in the Premier League then there's going to be more, a lot more games as a result and a lot more teams that you can show on TV as well which could solve some of the TV issues maybe mm-hmm. you can maybe substitute from some of the TV games from this season into the, the following season mm-hmm. maybe uh, with the expanded number of teams so that's a potential route that could be taken I think as well which sounds quite smart I think yeah. it's it's an option mm-hmm. which but we need right now I think what would you do with the Premier League then would you give Liverpool a title and give the top four as it stands the Champions League places or how would you do work your way around that or would you just void the Premier League entirely have Leeds and West Brom come up and start again next season. Well, I suppose line. I think the problem is lines need to be drawn somewhere. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I think I'd rather get the season finished properly if possible. But if not, then uh, you probably would have to. Oh, I mean, it's it's quite easy to give Liverpool the title, really, given how far ahead they are. In my opinion, they could ball it. Um, <laughs> there's no <laughs> chance. Um, but it, like um, Mid was saying, a draw, a line has to be drawn somewhere. Um, but I think there's more implications for teams going down than teams that could go up. Yeah, I think yeah. that it's easier to give the positive decisions than the negative ones in this case. Um, so that, that's that's my view, and they probably give the Champions League places and uh, Europa League places as they stand. Oh, certainly, very interesting. We'll have to wait and see what announcements there are over the next few weeks. Uh, but we'll be keeping you up to date on it here on They Think It's All Over. Of course, we mentioned the Bundesliga earlier, but one of the leagues imminently returning to action is the K-League of South Korea. As with the Belarusian League, sometimes it doesn't sound all that tempting to watch. But with nothing else on our screens, why not give it a go? URB's Ben Harrison-Hyde this week caught up with K-League fan Ryan Walters, who is actually the editor of the popular football website for foreign fans of Korean football, K-League United. Here's a taste of what you can expect if you tune into the live K-League this weekend. As the wait for the return of the Premier League continues, those looking for a much sought-after football fix should be turning their attentions eastwards this weekend towards Korea as the K-League season gets underway. To give us a rundown on all things K-League, I'm delighted to be joined by the editor of K-League United, Ryan Walters. Hi, how are you doing? Brilliant. Um, So I've just got a few questions here to try and uh, understand the K-League better as a yeah definitely as it is a bit different from some of the other leagues that we're more used to in europe so Mm -hmm. um how does it work how's the league structured yeah so k-league's broken down into two divisions there's the k-league one and the k-league two and for fans that are familiar with scottish football that's how k-league one uh operates for the most part so there are 12 teams there and most years they would play each other three times and then it would split into the top six and the bottom six. This year, that's only going to be two rounds. They're going to play each other twice instead because of the shortened season. But the structure will stay the same. So they'll split, and then the top half of the table, everybody plays each other one more time, and then that's to determine the champion. And then the bottom half of the table, everybody plays each other one more time, and then that'll determine the relegation spot. So it's not like a strict playoff, uh, like I'm used to in MLS or anything like that. (laughs) But... um, it is a, it's kind of a playoff of sorts, and I think it's a way to keep... I like it because I think it keeps a lot of teams uh, in and around it, and then you know some mid-table teams, they might be able to get up and try to get into the top six where there are Champions League spots and things like that. So it's, it's fun towards the end of the season there. And then uh, in K-League 2, there are 10 teams, and they have an actual playoff, so it's very similar to the championship in England where 
uh, the champion of K2 is automatically promoted, and then second, third, and fourth enter into a playoff. And the winner of that, and this is where it gets a little bit convoluted, the winner of the K-League 2 playoff will face 11th place from K-League 1 and a home and away playoff final to determine who will be in K-League 1 the next season. Well, again, to me, that sounds a bit like Scotland because I think they do that as well um, with some of the lower leagues where the team in the bottom place in the league above plays off against the second best team from, uh, from the league below it. Yeah, and you would think that the top division team would usually have the advantage, but uh, in the years that they've been doing it, and it's still kind of a recent thing for K-League, but uh, the years they've been doing it, K-2 teams have won more often than not. So it's it's always fun. Yeah, that's quite different from somewhere like Germany, where I think the success rate is very minimal. I think there's only been about three teams in the last 10 years that have gone up through the playoffs in Germany. Yeah, I think here it's because... Uh, I think it is because of that playoff system in K2. And so teams need to ramp up to that towards the end of the season. So the end of their regular campaign, they're already kind of in playoff mode. And then they have to win playoff games. And by the time they get there, they're facing a team that's in 11th place because they couldn't really get it together in the top division. So like momentum is really with the second division side a lot of times. And I think that's what's carrying them through. But yeah, it's, it's always a really fun way to end the season. We got the FA Cup at the end. Then we have the Pro Rail Final at the end. So... Even with Jumbo Kendai Motors running away with the, the title a lot of seasons in recent history, we still have something to look forward to. And there's a lot to look forward to this weekend. The K-League gets started this Friday at 11am here on UK time as John Buck Motors take on Suwon Blue Wings in the opening match of the season. Catch coverage on Copper 90 online. You can also listen to Ben's full interview with Ryan on Spotify or Apple Podcasts you should find it right above this podcast. I want to move on and talk about uh, on this day. I think we've got a really interesting one, actually, from way back in 2014. <laughs> Doors, maybe you could set the scene for us. Oh, this is magical. Um, so it's <laughs> eight, eight days after the famous Stephen Gerrard slip. <laughs> Liverpool travelling to Crystal Palace, knowing that Basically, they need to score as many goals as possible, really, because I think they were like 11 goals behind City on goal difference at the point. I think they were level on points, weren't they? Yeah, level on points, they but the goal, difference was the goal difference was... Yeah. To have a chance of winning the league. So, I mean, if you'd offered Brennan Rodgers the chance to be 3-0 up half-time, he'd have bit your hand off. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he's got yeah, two, two free games after the season. Yeah, so, so I, mean, yeah. I mean... We could Palace, have lost a game or drawn a they're game. They're still in it. They're still in the title race. Yeah. And they did go 3-0 up, so you thought, right, if they get a few more goals here, City could be in trouble. Hmm. But then... I mean, the last 20 minutes was an absolute capitulation from Liverpool's defenders. I mean, Sacco had one of the worst 20 minutes of football I've ever seen any man have. (laughs) And they conceded three goals in those 20 minutes and it ended 3-3. Famously known now, of course, as Chris Istanbul. I mean, it wasn't even 20. 78th minute was the first first goal. (laughs) It all happened in about... I mean, if if you could in the added time, about 15 minutes. But 78th minute for it to all go start to go downhill they made uh, Dwight Gale at Lionel Messi like, yeah. oh god I mean <laughs> that, that, I, re- I remember my dad lost faith um, I remember watching the game and then I screamed I mean I went a little bit mental after the second one I was like dad this could be a bit interesting here. I was like nah it's fine they're not going to win third one in I went dad 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 what's going, what's going on and then that was it my dad's a City fan as um, just for some context so obviously he got very excited once the third one went in and um, <laughs> and then that was it then and then <laughs> I think from there on, two points behind, it was, yeah. it was looking like looking easy like ours. Uh, but he, I mean, he never liked seeing Liverpool win. So, <laughs> and I think of, of course the sort of one of the best images in Premier League history was seeing Suarez in tears oh, on the pitch, that's always, that's like, shit, shit over, over his face, and then Gerrard who loves kissing cameras, Old Trafford shoving the camera away I mean I thought he loves the cameras like uh, (laughs) honestly you could not write a better script and then obviously it was Monday Night Football so you had Jamie Carragher in the studio rinsing Liverpool as much as possible Um, I think Gary Neville said actually Liverpool fans realised that they won't have another chance like this to win the league for some time obviously fast forward six years and it looks like they've got it in the bag but (laughs) I mean what a day that was unbelievable Cristambul what a day so we've got a new segment for you here on the podcast. Um, I think it's something that we were discussing the other night after a game of poker, actually. We were, 
We were up in the lounge uh, late in the evening and we thought, let's try a game of unpopular opinion. So we got a new um, opinion each week on the podcast. And this week uh, is Rod's turn. So Rod, what's your unpopular opinion? So I've gone for if this summer an absolute madness had occurred and Kevin De Bruyne had transferred from Man City to Arsenal, that's the only change, Arsenal would be above Man City. So you mean last summer as in last the previous summer. transfer window? Yeah, the yeah. previous transfer window. So we've had him for the whole season up until now. Yeah. And City have bought no replacements in. Nothing else has changed. That's the only change. I believe that we would be above them on points. Interesting, I interesting. I do disagree with that one um, like quite strongly. I think you'd, you'd certainly be closer. Um, I mean, I think De Bruyne has had such an impact mm-hmm, for City. Mm-hmm. Um, if, imagine if he could do that for Arsenal and City would lose that the points which yeah. he's brought so yeah for sure but then I think there's uh, oh sorry Ron, I'll let you speak in a minute I think just in my <laughs> in my opinion I think um, there's so many players I can not fill up to the standard that he has but we would have had players off the bench say like Phil Foden uh, or any of, the, any, minutes, huh? any of the <laughs> any of the Silvers could have played or Gundogan as well that is useless now I think he's not as good as he used to be but he still provides class moments. He's not getting seventeen uh, assists. Not seventeen, <laughs> no. But. What were you going to say, Rod? So I was going to, I was going to, you know, talk about the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, as you, as you've said, he had seventeen assists this season and eight goals, which is a joke, yeah. absolute joke. Very, very phenomenal season. But you look at if you remove those goals and assists, Man City lose eleven points, which reduces the gap between us and City down to six points. <sighs> We've had 13 draws. So all he needs, all De Bruyne would need to do is allow us to convert four of those draws into wins and then we're above you. That seems pretty probable. Mm. If he's getting uh, 17 goal con- or seventeen assists mm. and eight, eight mm. uh, goals at City, I imagine he'd get a, a small fraction of that at Arsenal. 100%. And yeah. obviously... Arsenal's front three of Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe would be so much better if they had a like, De Bruyne, De Bruyne behind, behind them. Because yeah. I mean, Ozil this season's gone missing yeah. most games, so having that presence of De Bruyne, who also does a lot of defensive work as well, so he'd yes. sort out your defence a bit defense. as well. Cities would be worse. And I've got, I've got a few more stats to back <laughs> up my opinion. So, of City's seven losses this season, in um, two of them have been... Four of them, actually, have been without De Bruyne playing a significant number of minutes or three quarters. So he was injured for Wolves one time and for the United game where they lost. He also only played 33 minutes for the Norwich game and he only he played 67 for Wolves, but that was a close loss where they only lost 3-2. And he's only recorded one assist in all of the other times he's played when you've lost. <sighs> and interestingly... As well, the only teams that Man City have beaten without De Bruyne playing are Preston North End, Southampton, Oxford United, Port Vale, Fulham, Sheffield Wednesday and Dynamo Zagreb. <laughs> so you really, it sort of emphasises what we've been saying about the fact that you are very much this season completely dependent on De Bruyne going forward mm-hmm. for creativity. That's, I can't believe those stats. I mean, that's, it's quite a phenomenal stat, but I think... You've got to think that if we... One thing for me is that we didn't have him for the whole... Pretty much for the whole of the previous season. And we got 98 points. I, granted, we're not the same team <laughs> that, we were, season. that we were that that season. I agree with that. But um, I think when you take off, obviously, one player away, uh, that's going to bring other players probably slightly up and a bit more responsibility. Uh, like I said, more players that would have been on the bench would have started instead. So your players like Gundogan, uh, Bernardo Silva, um, or David Silva, those type of players would have maybe played a little bit more and had a bit more of an impact. You can't replace what Kevin did, what has done for us. He's been world class, but I think some of the points that we would have dropped as a result of Kevin's contribution not being there, they would have been gains elsewhere throughout the squad, in my opinion. So looking looking through as um, the games where the changes have occurred, for example, you've lost you lost two you in my calculations you lost two points against West Ham where you got a goal and an assist. Mm-hmm. Very few other players would do that. Mm-hmm. Again, there was another substantial one against us. He got two goals and one assist. You know, again, two points dropped in these calculations here. Like you know, he's not 
having is not just again Sheffield again one goal one assist converts it to a draw so that's six points of the 11 you've dropped where he's not just got like you know the odd assist or the odd goal he's had a significant impact on the game and I really don't feel like Bernardo Silva he's not had a good season Mm -hmm. Sterling has been awful this season because he is an awful footballer no I disagree with that comment but up to to the Liverpool game uh, he was good this season and then after that game he's not being the same in fairness we just begs the question if you think Mm -hmm. the other players are as good as De Bruyne why hasn't Pep played them more Mm -hmm. he's been he's playing in three four competitions yet we've seen De Bruyne deployed every time and it seems to be that when he doesn't play you know City don't do so well I mean how can you not play De Bruyne when you see how he plays um, he's the best midfielder in the world and you you simply can't bench him really uh, unless he's coming say back from injury or anything like that so I mean he's had to play you, ha- you have to play him and that's why no one, no other players have had a sniff in his position because he's he's always going to play um, I think as then as a result other players aren't going to play and they can't provide their contribution that they would have done if he wasn't there that's my argument I think you obviously you can take away there's some big games there where he's had massive contributions and I appreciate that but then there would have been maybe other games where other players might have had a contribution um, I think it's easy to neglect the advantage or the um, effect that he'd have rather on Arsenal though mm. like, we're talking a lot here that maybe other players could do it at City but he could probably do just as well at Arsenal, if not even better than he has at City, with the given service to those forwards. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and as as I sort of found in my research as well, like not only have we had thirteen draws, but half of our losses this season have been by one goal. Mm. So you know, it's not the case in, like, with us this season as in previous seasons where we're getting you know blown away game <laughs> after game and losing by you know two three goals at points very much in most games we're only just missing out on points normally and I really feel like De Bruyne he'd you know fix the sort of defence in midfield and provide so many more key passes assists you know really give us that threat going forward to enable our front three to truly shine and then really improve our results dramatically I think it's certainly make your attack better but I don't think there's any defending how bad your defence would still be if he was in that team <laughs> that is true your defence is, you is worse than our like, I mean our one's bad but your one I, is still worse than our defence and we've still conceded more goals than we would have ever wanted to this season so he's never going to be able to solve that problem which you think would just go away him, having him in the side who is he's a very attacking I didn't say player. he'd fix our defence I no, said he'd improve it and he'd make yours worse without it, it yeah. it'd make it slightly worse without it but given how advanced of a player he is going forward I don't think he does provide that work rate, mm-hmm. but then say like Bernardo can do that as well. We would have relied on him maybe a little bit more this season, if say uh, Kevin wasn't there. It's obviously easy to to say that given how good Bernardo was the previous season, and he wasn't has been been as good this season. But I think the other players would have had to stepped up, and they probably would have, in, in my opinion. It's very interesting, uh, unpopular opinion from Rod there. Who who always wants to go ahead for next week? Do I do more? Yeah, you, you've got one in the bag, Hiram. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not one in the bag, but I can I can, uh, I can think some, of one. Get some research going. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even research my my opposition <laughs> to this one, unfortunately. But I mean, I I still think, in my opinion, um, he Arsenal wouldn't be above. We, we, but we, but we I think finished it's a, we finished it, mate. We yeah, it's, it. a, it's a very it's we're a, moving on, mate. It's a, it's a, it's a, the very, numbers don't lie. It's a very good opinion, though. It's a very good opinion. So. Uh, Moving on, uh, we want to try another new game uh, this week. Doors, maybe you could give us the details. Yeah, so it's been sort of doing the rounds on Twitter. I think it was Paddy Power that first sort of did this. Um, they do a segment called Start One, Bench One and Sell One. So I'm going to give you a list of three players and you have to tell me who you'd start, who you'd have on the bench and who you'd get rid of and sell. So starting off with a really hard one because um, I love to start off with hard ones. i got... Ronaldinho, <laughs> Zidane, obviously, and Maradona. <laughs> so start one, bench one, sell one. What yeah. are you thinking, boys? Crikey, <laughs> this is a tough one. They're all they're all phenomenal players, and realistically, the fact of you're even considering selling one, you know, most people go around and be like, "What are you on?" <laughs> but well, you can ask Maradona that. He'll probably get you something good. Yeah, I, I think Maradona's sort of the go-to for that. <laughs> I think. I'm leaning towards sell Maradona, mm-hmm. which is harsh, <laughs> oh very harsh. God. Then 
bench Zidane <laughs> and start oh. Ronaldinho. <laughs> wow. But I don't feel like there's there's a I don't there's feel no like, right answer. There's no, there's no, no right answer. answer and there's no wrong answer because no. they're mm. all phenomenal. I just think Ronaldinho will forever be sort of remembered in me for me for just destroying mm-hmm. Arsenal <laughs> in that Champions League <laughs> final. Like so, he'll always have that sort of aura yeah. with me. I, mean, I probably agree, agree with Rod. Actually, I oh, think okay. that'd probably be my my um, order as well. Possibly start start Zizan yeah. and, and bench Ronaldinho. Um, I feel like if you're going to bring a player off the bench, Ronaldinho is probably a good one th- to have there in, in your back pocket. But um, <laughs> for not really other reasons, Zidane as well, I guess, has been an integral part of all the teams he's played in as a sort of leadership man. And um, yeah, I think uh, those those are, those, are, those are certainly tight ones to choose. What are your thoughts, Iron? I, I think I'm going to sort of mirror it, so I'm going to go. Uh, I'd start Maradona. Mm. I'd have to unfortunately sell Ronaldinho, <laughs> which is gr- a grim proposition. And yeah. I, I would have um, Zidane on the bench. I think what Maradona did, like firstly for Argentina, um, was massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but just what I mean, just if you just watch the guy play, um, for me that's one of the. It's like it's like when you watch Messi play, almost like Messi's like that for me that that step above. But watching Maradona play, some of the videos you see of him, it's just like he was just ridiculous. Mm. Um, big uh, integral uh, part of the Napoli side that won Serie A as well, uh, and made them a substantially better team, and always will always be remembered in Italy uh, for his time there. Uh, and I think Zidane as well was just so integral to uh, to France and mm. for Real Madrid as well. Uh, also for Juve so I, it's it's so difficult to leave out Ronaldinho and there's not much mm-hmm. in between them for me but I've always just slightly preferred Zidane to Ronaldinho what, 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 what do you think Dawes? I mean mine's different from all of you boys so I've got <laughs> I'd start Zidane Maradona on the bench and yeah sell Ronaldinho mm. crazy to say because Ronaldinho's incredible yep um, but I just I'd need Zidane in my team I'd need him in there he's too good to leave out um, for me so yeah moving on to the next one Premier League strikers is the sort of theme of this one. So we've got Henri, Aguero, and Rooney. Hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think we know who's going to start for Rod. <laughs> and, and for and, 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 and for and you. For me. And for you. <laughs> I think I'd have to sell Aguero personally. Like that, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. But no. I just don't think he's sort of on the same level. That the other two got to, mm-hmm. and then between the other two, you're obviously going to start on Rudy. I'm going to start on Rudy because I'm an Arsenal fan. But then you're going to start Rudy because you're a United fan, and you're going to start Aguero because you're a City fan. Yeah. Not just because he's not just because I'm a United fan. I I hey, just he think was, he's the best all... striker in Premier League history. I just think he is. It was all around game when he's at his prime. You can't you, you can't get better than Wayne Rooney as a striker for me. So I think I'd, I think I'd mirror your one, Rod. I think I'd start Aguero, bench Rooney, and sell on Rudy. <laughs> Oh, wow! I think if we talk about long, if we talk about longevity, mm. uh, then then Aguero. Yeah. Uh, if I was, if we're if we're talking about selling players mm. and having them potentially for seasons to come, uh, it's obviously getting deeper into the question. But Aguero has done it year on year for about ten years. Uh, I mean, obviously Henry was world class for years also, and and Rooney was for a good few as well. But I think Aguero's longevity. In whatever team, a city team he's been, whatever mould, he's always scored the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put him, put him, put him top for me. Uh, I think I. It's it's, it it's difficult. On the question. Yeah, it depends. It depends on the Can't question. Can't be selling Rooney, mate. I think you're going to sell Rooney, aren't you? I think I'm going to sell Rooney. Yeah, and then go after because <laughs> Henry was just oh. top drawer as well. I'm afraid. Personally, I'd say Henry is for his peak season. Yeah. has had a better peak season you're than Aguero. Right. You're probably right. Yeah, like Aguero yeah. has done it for longer in the Prem. And for Rooney, but I'd say Henri for you know his sort of standout seasons was better. Yeah, yeah. Henri was ridiculous. Yeah, I'd, I'd start Rooney, bench Henri, and sell Aguero. Unfortunately, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it's I, I can't. All three will class. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, it's a tough one. And then yeah, so for the final one this week, um, going to centre backs. So we've got Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, and Vincent Company. I <laughs> <laughs> think Terry's gone. Oh, his, uh, I don't think so. For his misdemeanors, can't have that kind of play. Yeah, racism. Yeah, uh, sleeping, <laughs> sleeping with his mates, misses. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and that slip in the Champions League final, he bottled yeah, it with him at most. Yeah. I think I'd have um, company as my starting choice. Ooh, okay. 
obviously for his defensive qualities and he can also bang one in for 40 yards if he needs yeah. it. <laughs> sure, yeah, just just that, that yeah. goal against Leicester alone. Hey, was it, was it What's in a blue move? Rio, yeah. Rio, yeah. He beat my, my bench choice, yeah. That's yeah. pretty solid. Ross, I mean, you're Ooh. defending Terry over here, so I'm guessing you've got Terriers. I don't you? know. It's hard because the other two are top, but I'd potentially, I think, start Ferdinand, mm-hmm. bench... Terry and oh. <laughs> I just I just think John Terry sort of you know what he what, what he led that Chelsea team to was something special no, I do agree He's captain leader legend isn't yeah. it that's, that's yeah. the yeah. caption and whilst obviously you know I mean all three of them have got yeah, class yeah, 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 yeah like but I, yeah I just, it's, it hurts to say but I think I, I'd stick with that okay I think I'd probably <laughs> different as well probably company and then start company Bench Terry and unfortunately That's get rid a of. Joke. I, I hate getting rid of Ferdinand. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big, big fan of how he played. Uh, I just think the other two were were true leaders. Um, and I mean, I'm always going to go for company anyway. And the fact that he can bang one out from yeah. four yards when you need to, or, or give you a big. The others couldn't do that really. But give they? you a big, give you a big header and say like a Manchester derby when the, you need it most to win the title. Um, <laughs> like, just massive for me. Um, and I think Terry's leadership, like I, think, like I said, change, change, he changed Chelsea. Companies are class above, I think. I, I think. I think, I think he's a, he's he's a level above the other two. I, I think. In, I disagree. In, 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 in defensive qualities, uh, probably defensive not. qualities similar, but he's just got that X factor. He can pull someone out of his bum mm. when he least expect <laughs> it. Yeah. I, see, I mean, I've gone with Rio Ferdinand. Well, obviously, myself. yeah. We need but that. no, no, no. We have so, to say that. <laughs> obviously, I think. Just for his partnership with um with Vidic, I think. Oh, we're talking about individual. Let me let me go through <laughs> argument. Let me go through argument. I mean, he was obviously next to Vidic, and for me, he still stood out, um, which is so tough. I mean, company's never had that truly world class partner. I mean, who's he got? Otamendi, useless, Stones, embarrassing. <laughs> oh, that's got. So of course, when he was. Let's go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm actually sorry. So of course, you he's need to stand. go outside because you're going crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, no, he was good in that 2012 season. He was very oh, good. Come on, but I mean. And I think three Champions League in four years. He's actually won the Champions League as a Terry, to be fair. Um, but I think I would have company on the bench because I think having him in the squad would help out so much. You know, yeah. obviously you go through as you as you boys have mentioned his leadership roles. But I, I had to start Rio. I think he is for me the best centre back to ever grace the Premier League. So I, I disagree with the fact that he stood out alongside Vidic, though. I mean that's fair enough. I, I, I think Vidic stood out. Mm. I, I see. I think they were a very good partnership, but Vidic was probably the the better of the two. See, that's interesting. I think Vidic had more like instances where he made challenges that are just outrageous. But it's <laughs> the, what's, what's standing out? But it's, it's the consistency of Ferdinand. You know, when Vidic got sent off a lot, a bit rash into challenges. Rio just had that cool head about him. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. he 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 was just something else for me. And yeah, that's that's how I'd put my three. Um, interesting that you got rid of company, Rod. Oof. Very interesting. They're all interesting in their own right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think this Enjoy is that, This is good, yeah. So, no, looking forward to next week. Yeah, there'll be, there'll any, be... Any hints? <laughs> I mean, there might be the great, great old age-old debate coming up next week, so we'll oh, look out for that one. <laughs> yeah, excited for that. Excited um, so on to um, the regular, of course, the, the Dawsey Challenge. Um, what have you got for us this week, Dawes? Yeah, so this week we've got uh, the best 11 choosing only one player from each World Cup winning team. Um, so there's a few little like rolls straight, real straight away here that if a player has won it more than once, you can count them from different ones. So, I mean, Pele is a classic example. He won it in 58, 62 and 70. So you could have Pele, for example, in 58 and then another Brazilian from 62 um, and so on and so forth. Could not happen at all. I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing you haven't got them then, Hyrule. We might as well start with you. Go, go for your, okay, okay, go do, through your eleven. Okay, 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 then. So I've got, I've, I've come back prepared this uh, this time. I've got, I've got, I've got, what's they got, got stats here? Uh, I've, 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 I've got my sheet out. Uh, but see, that's, that's a rod level. The rod method. Yeah, yeah well, it's a good method. I'll, yeah, well, I'd, I mean, some of them are a little bit more rogue, so I had to do a little bit more uh, of the of the research. One of the most difficult things I found with this was the formation. Yes, because yeah. once you get back to like 50s and 60s, players didn't play in oh. modern formation. No, 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 Half-backs and. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All... 
inside lefts and all sorts. I, I, I think I managed to take that into effect. I, I, I wanted to take a player from every nationality as well. And to avoid ambiguity, I did Germany and West Germany. So it was, <laughs> it was a little bit um, difficult in that respect as well. But I, I got something. Uh, but I think Gordon Banks just for that. I mean, obviously, I'd pick him from 1966. But I mean, even for a save in 1970. Uh, I'm one of the top goalkeepers of the century. Mm. Um, so I had to put Gordon Banks in there for mm-hmm. the English representative of 66. Uh, then Nilton Santos for Brazil in 1958. Um, tw- he won it twice, um, which is always good to have in mm-hmm. your in your pocket. Uh, he's attacking wing back as well, so he's uh, good going forward. Uh, and he was also part of the World Eleven of the 20th century. So one of the that obviously this one person's list or a, a bunch of journalists, but he's a, a very highly regarded uh, left back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I wanted to have someone like Carlos or something, but for whatever he could, couldn't pick him for mm-hmm. several reasons. But I had to put Cafu on the right back. Um, won at ninety four, I think two thousand two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the teams of the twenty first century, I think, in, in my opinion, one of the best right backs of all time. And then you've got Cannavaro and Puyol as your centre back partnership. I mean, f- for me, interesting just... Spanish choice. Interesting mm. Spanish. Yeah, yeah, very interesting because I think you could have several Spanish yeah, players so many, in this yeah. team. <laughs> um, but I like Puyol for his leadership, especially. Um, I think he was just what he did with Barcelona as well. Euros two thousand eight, mm-hmm. uh, and then Cannavaro won a Ballador two thousand six. <laughs> I just couldn't not have him in there for me. Uh, then this one's quite rogue going for Leon. Uh, Leandro Andrandi uh, for Uruguay in 1930. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Very, very rogue, very rogue. Based um, on what? Uh, well, he won the gold medal uh, for the Olympics in 1924 and 28 as well. What was so, Uruguay the only team? No, yeah, yeah but, but he was... They won everything in ve- the first 10 years yeah, of international ve- football. Uh. Very, very consistent uh, for them and is one of, was the top players of the century to many uh, people. Uh, I, th- I think he was very good in that CDM role uh, from what, <laughs> from what, from what, from what, yeah, there but, even footage of him playing? They're probably not footage of it. But, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm obviously being a bit rogue with this one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think many people. At the end of the day, it's hard to judge. You can't just knock him out just because he's not in our generation. Uh, well, he's not, he's not in our parents' in generation. generation. Yeah. But, but, but either way, I think not even grandparents. He, no, like, <laughs> like, I, think, I think he deserves a place in there for my Uruguayan representative as a top class CDM. He d- was in that role very well, and uh, presumably hard to uh, to get past him. <laughs> but <laughs> no one alive can tell me that probably. But no. we'll move on. Uh, so then. I kind of stepped, had two kind of normal centre mids, like not really, well, one of them's a little bit more attacking than the other, but we started with Kroos, uh, the 2014 Germany. Um, he's a top sister that year and uh, also one of the best players in the world for probably the past few years, to be fair. Maybe not so much the last two years, but I'd say one of the best midfielders in the world for many years. Yeah, yeah, in my not opinion. Recently. Not recently. Not in the last two, two, years, two, two years, but certainly for four yeah. or five years. Oh, between like 2014 and 2017. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think for me, deserves that place mm-hmm. uh, for the German representative. Yeah, fair. Zidane, France, 98. Don't <laughs> say anything else there. Not going to say anything else. Either with Maradona, who's going to be my uh, my cam. Nothing mm-hmm. uh, needs to be said. <laughs> uh, and I've got two, two up front Ronaldo. I, I did Brazilian 2002. Yeah, not 90, uh, not 94. I think Cafu was good for both 94 and yeah, 2002. Yeah. Ronaldo was a bit young at 94, yeah. uh, but was a big, big influence 2002. Uh, and then Jared, uh, Jared Muller for um, West Germany in 1974, um, just for the amount of goals that he's banged in. So Kurt Muller is one of the all-time yeah. top one of the all-time best. Yeah. yeah, he's in my team as well. He's just a joke, and for me, had to be in there as well. So I think. Especially having Muller, Ronaldo, and Maradona in that team, good God, I, I, I would not. <laughs> good be, God, yeah. If I, if I was a centre back partnership with Rio Ferdinand, I think we'd both be sweating. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Rio would sort them out. <laughs> you mentioned you got Gert Muller there, Rod. Well, who else is in your eleven? So I had Jean Luigi Buffon from 2006 mm. in goal. You know, he's he's an incredible keeper. I then went uh, Larm from 2014 at right back mm, interesting yeah. again with, with the Dorsey challenge as most weeks the full backs have <laughs> been sort of where I've had to almost build my team around yeah yeah. I then went for for Ran for 2018 winner Big at centre back you know he was phenomenal for that France side and he's been phenomenal for club as well you know 
four, three, four Champions Leagues, I think it is, with Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And then from 1966, I went for Bobby Moore. Mm. You know, yeah. one of the greatest defenders of the last century. You know, people still hit talk about him to this day with, with the same level of respect and fear of his defensive abilities. I then went for Roberto Carlos at left back, probably the best left back of all time, 2002 winner. I went for Mateus in that sort of CDM mm-hmm. role, winner in 1990 won the Ballon d'Or that year. I then went for Maradona and Iniesta, a sort of slightly unbalanced midfield. Yeah. But, you know, the the sort of, they Maradona in 1986 and Iniesta in 2010, you know, Iniesta, he was phenomenal mm-hmm. yeah. for that Spain side. You know, I think we, I don't really need to explain how good he was mm-hmm. for them. I then went for front three of Henri. Yeah, <laughs> he's made every rod 11 so Ever, far yeah, yeah. he was the top scorer for that France side mm-hmm. yeah. in spite of how young he was when he, he played there Even Golden Boot or was that yeah. yeah like yeah and then you know R9 Ronaldo 1994 just had to get I had to sort of I, I would have preferred to put Didn't him in for much, 2002 yeah. but then I couldn't have had Roberto Carlos in there yeah. so it's and then Jared Muller you know he was. I think he must have been German top scorer for six seasons or something um, ridiculous. The amount of records he has scoring wise is ridiculous. And again, um, Ballon d'Or winner. Like you know, he's he's phenomenal for club and country. <laughs> and one thing I would say is Mateus has got a lot of work to do in that midfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got Bobby Moore and behind yeah, him, was, yeah, and Lam as well, who are all very defensive. So interesting. You mentioned the um, fullback shot. I've gone for. A, a fullbackless team, in a way. Ooh. I, I, mean, I alluded to the sort of uh, formation issue earlier, mm-hmm. so I've actually reverted to a proper formation of the fifties and sixties in the WM. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of a, a bit, obviously, you wouldn't normally see it in, in modern times. Mm-hmm. Although I think, I think New York City might have tried it out a few years ago. I remember, I remember seeing something about that. Well, but, potentially, yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, anyway, in goal, I went for Dino Zoff, mm-hmm. the oldest yeah. ever World Cup winner. I think he was about four years old when he won it in yeah. uh, 82 of Italy. And then I've got a sort of a back three, if you will, of on the WM uh, with uh, Cafu at right fullback, mm-hmm. um, Cannavaro at centre-half, and then uh, Piquet as a sort of converted left fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's... Uh, it's Spain, my Spain choice. So getting rid of that one yeah, really is very see. difficult. Very interesting. Yeah. I could have played Poyle there, but I think PK. I think I'm, I came up in a eleven a few weeks ago. I think he had a, a better tournament. Mm, I think in yeah. in 2010. Mm. Um, in my sort of defensive midfield roles, I've got Beckenbauer from Germany '74, mm-hmm. alongside Nobby Styles from the England '66 mm. team. I remember. Well, I don't remember, but I've I, I watched <laughs> a, a few of those those games back a few years ago and. In uh, the semi-final against Portugal, he really, really marked Eusebio out of the game. Mm. Eusebio, obviously, one of the, the best players of the '60s worldwide, and um, all time really. Yeah, it was mm. de- was destroyed by Nobby Styles of, of the Northwest. Um, then, in my sort of advanced roles, inside left, I've gone for uh, Didi, who um, won the Golden Ball in 1958 with Brazil. Mm-hmm. Also won in the the '62 uh, World Cup. And inside right, I've gone for Ozzy Ardiles, Argentina '78. <laughs> That's class. <laughs> Obviously, came to Spurs after that tournament, and yeah. then probably got torn apart by the Swans in the League Cup. <laughs> um, That's class. Other than that, other than that, he was uh, probably one of the best players of that generation, mm-hmm. sort of '70s and '80s, and really did the job for Spurs for many years throughout the '80s. Um, and my front three. I've got uh, outside right, I've got uh, Mbappe, actually, mm. from France, 2018. I think I've got an unpopular opinion on that as well. It'll be coming up in a few weeks, Ooh. hopefully. Um, outside left, I had to go for Pele. Yeah. Only played to win it three times. Yeah. You, you can't really not, not include him. I don't know how you boys have avoided it, really. <laughs> and then in the middle, I've gone for a bit of a rogue shout in Miroslav Closer. Oh, Obviously, won it in uh, 2014 mm. with Germany, but arguably, be, arguably not one of the best players in that side. But you think he's the only player to win four World Cup medals? Uh, won the silver in 2002 and then two bronzes in 2006 and 2010. No one's won more World Cup medals. Oh, so. yeah. Is he top scorer as well in the competition? In World Cup history. Yeah, yeah. It probably is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, four World Cups, so. Yeah. <laughs> not, not bad, to be fair. Fair play, boys. Very interesting. Um, I started mine off with Manuel Neuer in goal. Um, I think we've all got different keepers, which is very yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
He was I mean, almost my one, to be fair. I mean, what more can you say about Neuer? I think in 2014, he was a joke. One he was of the, an sweeper-keeper, isn't it? Yeah, mm. sensational. Um, it's sort of fallen fallen behind the times a bit of the last few years. But, I mean, you can't, can't go wrong with that in 2014. And then right back, I've gone with Carlos Alberto from 1970 Brazil squad. Scored, for me, the best goal in World Cup history with a mm. laid off by Pele, right in the bottom corner in the, in the 4-0 win in the final. Great team goal, that yeah, one. Yeah, what, what a player. Um, my dad loves him so much, so I <laughs> hear a lot about him. Um, then I got Roberto Carlos, a left-back. I sort of followed Rod's sort of thing of there's not many good left-backs out there, yeah. so I had to go with Roberto Carlos, which obviously meant no Ronaldinho, etc. from that 2002 Brazil team. But my centre-back partnership, Beckenbauer and Cannavaro, I mean... Phew, I don't really have to say any much more than that. <laughs> Sensational. Um, and into the midfield. So, obviously, Rod's only gone with one sort of CDM. I've decided to go with two. So, I've got Loto Mateus, of course. I am a Mateus merchant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love the guy. Um, but also, Sergio Busquets from the yeah, Spain 2010 yeah. squad. Um, Integral part of that side. Honestly, one of the most underrated players of all time, I think. Um, sensational part of that Spain squad. And I think without him, Xavi and Iniesta wouldn't have that sort of freedom that they needed to sort of conquer that World Cup. Interesting we've all gone for a different player from that Spain yeah, squad. Yeah, it's, very, it's mm. interesting. I thought everyone would just go with Iniesta, but yeah. um, it's good to see the sort of variety there. I mean, then I've sort of gone for like three cams, so sort of two wide cams, and then the main cam in behind the striker. Um, one side, Diego Maradona, well, I mean, absolute <laughs> joke of a player, led Argentina to that win in, in 86, obviously. The other side, Zidane, obviously you've got to have Zidane in the team. Unless you're Rod, he goes for Henri, of course. <laughs> and then, in my main camp, I've gone for Paul Pogba uh, <laughs> for 2018. What is that? I, 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 I don't think that's a bad option. In fact, he was top class he was in 2018. Incredible in the 2018 World Cup. Yeah, absolutely sensational. Um, I had to have him in there. Uh, man of the match in the World Cup final. Not many players can say they've done that. Um, shame we can't do that for United we yeah. can't out, but, um, I had to go with him and then up front I had to go with Pele um, yeah good, good shout mate it, ha- it, it had to be um, I've gone I think for your this. dad would have killed you if you yeah I think I would never, <laughs> you wouldn't see me again um, I went for the 58 Pele because he was 17 and he scored yeah, a goal in the World Cup final Pele. I mean come on that's a joke but yeah that's my team very interesting boys actually mm. a lot of variety which is, which is obviously good to see that's what we want yeah exactly mate any um, hints for next week doors or is it usually as usual under wraps you know it mate under wraps no please give the listeners at home some uh, some notice so they can get their teams together oh that's true that's true um, to be fair I haven't actually got one for next week yet so. <laughs> <laughs> um, who knows you might have a new game by next yeah, week that's true, might, that's the great things are changing and they think it's all exactly. over who knows um, but yeah good teams boys yeah all around who should win do you think I mean, I, mean, I think my one, but I think Rods would get overrun in midfield. Yeah, you've got some Uruguayan guy who's probably playing against farmers. Apparently, <laughs> um, well, playing against farmers, mate. <laughs> but he's still better than this 1930s where Uruguay the only yeah, good team in the world. Well, best striker in Pele, mate. He did it against Farmers. <laughs> I think Hiron's probably the strongest team. Hiron's got a good team. Oh, Apart I, from this Uruguayan bloke, I'd say Hiron's <laughs> team is very strong. I think... Oh, he's a good team, isn't it? <laughs> if you put Mateus in there, you've got the strongest not, team. Not a bad shout, to be fair. And you can as well, because you haven't used the 1990 Germany team. I think yeah. you're just trying to be... Yeah, trying to be just rogue. Just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit He went a bit too rogue, I'd say, to the point think, where he cool. can't really back up why <laughs> it's he's hard, it's hard. <laughs> I, it, it made sense at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most of your decisions do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I think we've all got good teams, though. Yeah, yeah. Very, all very good. Very interesting. Well, thanks very much for listening to They Think It's All Over. Make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll get the latest updates every Tuesday. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to They Think It's All Over and it is now. <laughs>